Welcome to my official author podcast. My name is Dr. Jennifer Lowry, and today I want to talk about why we should keep editors in business. Well, they have a passion for editing. Why not allow them to do their job and be very thankful and blessed that they exist in this world? You know, we're not perfect as writers. We're not perfect as humans. We are an imperfect people serving a perfect God. And God places people in our path to help guide us, instruct us, to teach us. And that's what happened with me and my editor. You know, I don't know all of the ins and outs of publishing. This is my first go at this world, but you're in it with me. And I don't know how editors are assigned on that end because I'm not on that business aspect. How is an editor specifically chosen from a publishing house? That's a question that I'm going to research like I know I'm sure every publishing company has their own style and their own methods all I know is that I was extremely blessed with my editor so if you listen to the podcast last week I, I told you that I got my email and I anxiously waited <laughs> until I could actually like be in that moment to be able to open it and then I stayed up late 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 and we had Hurricane Matthew to come through and in our area it wasn't as devastating as Florida but we did have damage so our schools were closed for two days and that allowed me time to really sift through and work And I read every comment and corrected. And then let it sit. With track changes, you can see it all. You can see, so it, so it stands out red, my favorite color. Red and purple, which I love equally. And I could see everything right there for me that I was doing. So the next day, I would go in at a different time of the day because Honestly, if I have a restful day, I work so well at night. If I'm having um, a really busy day ahead of me, my nighttime creativity and, and mental capacity really slows down. So it's according to what my day structure is going to be, like what my schedule is going to be. So with me being at home... I was able to work on it again and check it again and then nap <laughs> and sleep and then in the evening revisit it and thankfully it was before I found the Netflix binge because once I started watching the house on uh, the haunting on of Hill House that was pretty much it for the next couple days and that gave me my my breakaway as we all need and you guys know I only watch horror so that was like 
an exciting series for me. But then I jumped right back on it again with fresh eyes because I had been away. I had dealt with a lot of emotions with the dedications and acknowledgments. I went back in again with my husband and my husband checked every sentence that I needed to revise with me and he read it to ensure that he understood and I wanted to just tell you some realizations like first when you receive your edits do not be discouraged understand that this publishing company this team they have your best interest at heart they want your work to be as polished and as perfected as humanly possible so that when it is printed it's in its best shape for your readers so that is something that I want you to to always keep in mind that helps you have a positive outlook on this because when you get an edit back this isn't like this feeling of dread that you get when you're in maybe a teacher giving you an edit back and you know it's for a grade and you see the red everywhere it's not what this is about when you get your track changes back and you see blue everywhere imagine that blue as a crisp Carolina sky and your sky's not the limit you can reach beyond with that editor So think of that soft blue of the track changes as like a beacon for you, like a way for you to find your way home in a book that is probably filled with a bunch of messes that they can turn into the message and help you craft it. Authors live busy, busy lives. And that means sometimes that when they write, they're split-brained. It also means that we write and sometimes what we say in our heads and come and it comes out might not be clear to the masses I mean let's get real here people and that's what the editor does it helps to shape and refine us iron sharpening iron so first I cannot just ask you enough to go in it with a positive mindset but then go in it too for how can I learn from this and get better so after I did my sentence revisions or my word revisions or, or things that I needed to just tweak and fix and craft in a new way to better express the moment of the character then I needed to go in it to figure out what were some of the patterns that I was doing consistently that needed to be reworked. So I'm going to give you a short list of some things that you should consider as you go through your edits. And I know it's hard for us to edit our own work because 
I have that character for example my character slang I have my character slang in my head I have my my dialogue all the way that they sound to me and, and I I put it all out there but make sure that your characters stay true to their voice that's the number one thing you know I heard an author say that they put a little bit of themselves in every single character and I know I do that too I, I see it I see pieces of myself placed just little nuggets placed here and there to make the happy meal but you've got to also make sure that it's not you that was speaking in that moment and you got to pull it out if you do because then it doesn't really speak of the authenticity of that character so just make sure that you're very consistent with your author's voice again make sure that your setting is realistic like research it if you're building a fantasy world it can still be based on the what ifs if certain conditions were met in this environment that you've created this setting that you've created and if you're doing realistic fiction uh, keep it real but also consider your copyright Another thing to consider is your past tense. You know, watch your tenses. If you start shifting in tenses, and you can do that, like, without even catching yourself. You could just be in the moment, you're typing, and watch your tenses. And that's another one. Another one you need to look for. I love figurative language. So when you're working with metaphors, make sure that you don't have mixed metaphors, that you keep that metaphor in that block, in that paragraph, in that sentence, or in the next sentence, that, that everything flows and that you're keeping similar topics together. You can't mix them up. Make sure that if you've picked a character to speak from, in that scene or if you do chapter by chapter make sure you stay in that character's head do not then switch to another character and tell what that person is thinking or feeling I mean that's basic but you could possibly do it without recognizing it even if it's in one sentence so you can't hop from character to character unless that's the way you've set it up in scene breaks or in chapter breaks watch for your dialogue tagging again and I thought that I really once I learned my dialogue tagging mistake I thought that I had that one really nailed down and covered um, but I did make an error in it and um, once and, and I had to go in and, and fix that one but watch for those because that was something remember early on in the podcast I told you that I learned through research and just the coherence of everything does it flow are the actions of your characters matching up with what you're saying or what you present them to be 
if they're standing and then uh, a couple of paragraphs later they they're getting up from a chair or well in your head you saw them sit down but you didn't write it or you don't have to tell every single thing though that a character is doing but for the big things they have to flow and be logical they have to make sense so check for your character's actions what are their motivations are they really coming from a place that your reader could understand their motivations and even if they have conflicting motivations that's great that's a ninth through 12th grade standard if you're writing YA characters having conflicting emotions conflicting motivations I mean so you do want to show the depth of character with their motivations just make sure that it's clear because it could be coming from multiple places So with me being a public school teacher, I know what the standards are and I know when teachers are evaluating books, what are they looking for? It's not just the Lexile. It's not just can you use the you know more complex vocabulary. The Lexile level is just one piece of the puzzle. It's how does this, how does a student draw meaning from the text? Is it culturally responsive? What qualitative measures can you derive from your text? Does it match to reader and task at hand? So if you're writing for a particular audience, so for me, mine was YA, mine's Christian fiction. Pull yourself away to your final edits and say, of course you can stand by your work, of course, that you wrote it. It's yours, it's your baby. <laughs> but have you placed the elements there to where a teacher would say yes to a lit circle? That a teacher would say yes to an author visit? Would a Christian school say yes? Or would a Christian camp want you in so that you could spread this message from your book? These themes in your book. And when I say themes, multiple themes, when you get to YA, it's multiple themes. It's strands. Did you leave strands open? for inferencing did you leave strands there did you do your foreshadowing we know all of this but think about it from a teacher's perspective and if you're not sure find a teacher teachers in your local schools would love to help you they have creative writing classes in your local schools you need that teacher viewpoint that teacher frame of reference and because I am a literacy coach I was able to switch from, in this, these final edits, personal writer to teacher with 20 years experience in the schools. And I went through like a checklist, like a rubric in my mind. I didn't pull the rubrics up because I've seen them enough, but if you need a rubric, you can pull rubrics for assessing 
novels for use in schools. Your Department of Public Instructions could have them. Your Board of Education could have them. Your curriculum teams at your board level could have them. Email people. Don't be shy. Email your local school system literacy coordinators and say, I'm an author. I'm currently writing a YA. Do you have any rubrics that you use to assess for school inclusion of text? And grab some of those rubrics. Googling is fine too, but your local bet gets your name out there too. And edit from that viewpoint. And it's, it's difficult to edit, guys. It is. It's, it's not an easy task. And that's why I'm thankful that we have editors in the business. I am so blessed to have that editor that had such a keen eye for detail, for style, and the work. When I read it again, finally, oh my goodness, I was like just taken back and just to see how a new paragraph looked with simple style changes, simple words deleted and inserted, and I mean basic, yet powerful, the structure of the sentences, the flow. Keep your editors in business and understand we're not perfect. We're the creative empty mason jar that constantly gets poured into and then we pour out on a page. And the editor is there to swirl all our words and, and craft the part of us that we love so much that sometimes we can't see through. You know, we see the forest when we're done. They see the trees. So thank your editor. And be open to the edits and then seek, you know, support. And look at it through different lenses. Look at it through, it's according to who your audience is. Now I'm speaking the YA. Look at it through a, as, as much as you can a teen perspective because you wanna make sure you capture a teen voice. When I talked about character authenticity, luckily I have teens in my home. <laughs> yes, I have three of them. So you, you can look at it through that lens. You can look at it through a parental lens. You can look at it through a teacher lens. And you've got yourself in a better place than when you first started, when you first submitted that first draft. And yes, I'm calling it a first draft. When you sit in your manuscript, you polished it as best as you could. And I didn't have a single, single comma mistake with Grammarly by my side. And that was something I told you I learned. And I'm going to have to learn unnecessary word use. 
I really am. I'm going to have to see and start dropping and cleaning up sentences because that's the pattern that I had the most difficulty with. Find your issues when you go through your edits so that way you become a stronger writer and then your manuscript the next time around is crisp or as crisp as you can make it before you turn in that first draft. And I'm working on edits now of my next book um, proposal. And so now I've, you know, I've made it almost like 300 and some pages and edits. I'm going to have to go back through and look for unnecessary words because that was my issue. Identify, target, and then go in and, and solve it. I'm thanking the editor today. I'm hoping to keep my editor in business for a very long time. They may have mouths to feed. I truly know they're passionate about this work. I could tell it. I could tell it in the comments. I could tell it in the revisions, the insertions, deletions, the number of them. <laughs> And it makes me very, I mean, it just makes me happy to know that God aligns things perfectly for his will to be done in the work. So take away some of those tips. And that's what I told you guys I was coming on and tell you about what I learned through my editing review and I'm still learning. You know, you have rounds of these things. I had an author friend that let us, like, let us all know when we were listening to a presentation that you go through multiple rounds of edits. So, brace yourself and understand that each time you move through those, your work is better and better. And I love it that I had those words poured into me because it gives me a peace through this process. It gives me an excitement through this process. And when I heard the author speak about when the product was finally finished, they were proud to call it their book. And yes, I'm already beaming with pride over Sweet Potato. But just imagine when the final stamp goes on my book. Like my baby's going to shine. All right. I hope you guys have a blessed day. I'm going to jump on and write a blog about this on my Everyday Mom Challenge blog and do one of those, um, the tips I've learned and number them out as much as I can. But um, share this out with all of your writer friends that you know, and hopefully it can bring a word of encouragement for them and give them like that eye of what's to come. So you guys have a blessed one. Bye. <laughs>